Hello and welcome to Can You Hear Me at the Back, the podcast about all things voice and communication. Hey, Andrea. Hey, Leon. Look at that. Thanks. Not great for a podcast, but good for YouTube. It is. Well, you got it. And that means you have to go on YouTube and see my hat. And you're kind of coordinated with your shirt. As I well. did. It was totally coincidental. Really? Yes. It was good. Well done. Thank you. Well done. I'm very proud of myself. Well matched. I don't. I don't match normally. You're more like a. You're more of a cornucopia of color. <laughs> That's a nice way of saying that I'm. <laughs> I don't. Hey, you're in good company. I once did a masterclass with Helen Mirren, and she was wearing like a 900 different colours. She was like, I've only got four pieces of clothing on. How have I mismatched all of them? What is this? And I was like, wow, you, that is true. You it's look amazing, but I don't know. And then she was like, that's why I'm dressed by people. Mm. I'm dreadful at this. And I was like, oh. I would be, I would be I so dressed if other people dressed me. That's what Helen Mirren said. Mm. You're in a really good company. Oh, Helen Mirren said that. I, I mean, I love Helen Mirren. So... In, uh, ooh, what's that called? In a sound, in a movement. Mm. How do you feel today? <laughs> but, um... Is it because we ate just now? Yeah. Yeah, Leon cooked for me again. I made ciabatta. Mm. It's good. It's good. It's good. Mm. Kind of fun. Mm. Andrea? Yes. In a sound and a movement, mm -hmm. how are you feeling? Mm -hmm. Ooh, inspirational. Mm. Light, bright. Yes. Beginning of 2019. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Hoot to nanny. Yeah. Um, I like, 2019 feels good already. I don't know why. It feels good. I feel like it's a slow start, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to get better. I feel like it'll be April tomorrow. After, after the year 2000, everything just kind of seemed like a, like a sad... <laughs> Like, okay, oh, now. Since, oh, 2002. Since oh. nearly 20 years ago. Yeah. Everything's kind of slowed down. It's like, oh, 2006. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was like... It's so last century. Yeah, I was like, oh, look at that. Um, but I have a good thing about 2020. I feel like I'll be really excited for that. I think we'll see like we've never seen before. <laughs> Which, do you know what? I found out the other day. What? Having 2020 vision means you have the average... What is it? You have the average sight ability for your age. Yeah. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean your sight is perfect. It means you you're, you're average. You're distinctly average. No, it's like average. you got to the half point. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. You're not amazing. You just you just <laughs> you, don't have. You you're can not blind. See. <laughs> Great job. I totally didn't know that. I yeah. It was like a, yeah. I remember my my um my my general doc my pediatrician basically sure. told me that and oh really yeah. But I needed glasses anyway. I just haven't gone back to actually get properly checked and stuff. Oops. <laughs> I got headaches about where mine. So. so what are we talking about today? Other than the year and. Other than the year and eye health. <laughs> um. Posture and alignment. Posture and alignment. Which I, which both of us feel, that there is actually more, so much more than our little podcast episode yes. can do yes so we'll, we'll we'll get some some real experts in to yeah i also chat. feel like i'm not an expert <laughs> in posture and <laughs> like in any way shape or form yeah. but i know i i mean i teach it and i see it 
and I observe Disclaimer, it. Disclaimer, sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I like it, like I couldn't teach like a posture and alignment class where it's like that's what we're gonna do today. It's just well, no, that's what we're gonna do for like six weeks, just like posture and alignment. Like it's mm. included in everything that I do, but I couldn't teach like a master class on it. That's why I feel about it. Mm. I feel like you feel differently. Right? Well, yeah, I was your like, head is tilted, and you did the hmm. Interesting. I feel like I, well, exactly as you said, I feel like the vast majority of everything that I do has posture and alignment built into it. Right. And a lot of the stuff that we teach has, is based on the assumption that posture and alignment is sorted and therefore things will function. Right. And the truth of the matter is that that's just not enough. Yeah. Nine times out of ten. That actually what you need to do is go back to the drawing board and go, hold on. Posture alignment. Mm -hmm. What is it to have a an efficiently aligned head neck back relationship? What is it to do that? What what is the sort of resting position of your sternum? Should you be, you know, how should you be? And the and the thing is that how you are on a daily basis mm -hmm. is how you will be in neutral mm -hmm. on stage. Mm -hmm. Because when you let go of the active and the, the conscious you revert back to type, back to habit. Right. So you have to be really, you have to have drilled that. And I think in a lot of teaching, schemes of work and everything, we give people skills and then we expect them to, expect them to carry on doing those things mm -hmm. so that then they consistently can apply them because that's the expectation, that's the assumption. There will always be posture and alignment with a good head neck back relationship mm -hmm. with you know primary um primary control, control and yes. you know the, the mechanism of the body and blah 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 and what sort of stuff that we monkey. get from yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah monkey. monkey and imperceptible monkey mm -hmm. and all those sorts of wonderful things that we can find in the alexander technique and you can find all those sorts of things but it actually isn't there yeah. So I have to come back to it daily. Yeah. Not just with students, but myself. I, I think we, I can see it on other people. I think that for me was the easiest thing. And even when I was going through our Alexander classes in, in school, <laughs> in school. <laughs> I was like, there's a better word for that bunch, but I can't think of it right now. Um, I, I, the easier part for me was, was the hands-on part with other people, but when I had to do mm -hmm. it, um, when it was somebody working with me, that was so difficult for me to just kind of like be in me and try not to do, but to think, um, <laughs> which was also very hard for me to do, not to do. Um, <laughs> stop doing. <laughs> stop doing uh, was my big thing, but that was that was a lot more difficult, and I can see that in my students. And weirdly mm -hmm. enough, once I once we once I get them to put hands on other students, always with consent, obviously, um, that that there's a, there's an awakening that happens there. Where they go, oh, I can feel it in in you, um, and it's so strange that you know someone's been telling me to to do this, to do this, to do this my entire time, and I couldn't feel it until I felt it in someone else. Mm. And there's something really. Um, interesting about that as an undergrad mm -hmm. I did two years of Alexander Technique mm -hmm. uh, like an hour well it was supposed to be an hour a week uh -oh. 
but most people didn't turn up. <gasps> but I turned up at the earliest hour, and there were three classes of an hour each. Mm. So I would turn up at the first hour, and and the, you just stayed. So <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I'm here now. Which is which is basically why yeah, why I know what I know. But what happened with that was that it made sense to me to go because I could see the benefit of it long term. Yeah. So it's really interesting observing what was what you guys did and what we did as mm-hmm. part of the MA or the MFA the postgrad um, insofar as all of my experience of Alexander prior to that in a formal setting had been as the recipient mm. and we were never asked or encouraged or even thought that it was a possibility that we would, we would adjust anybody else with our hands mm. not that that's necessarily something that we are encouraged to do after the postgrad but right, it's something yeah. that it's not beyond the realm of possibility because you would be adjusting people with in other ways anyway. Right. And the first time I ever, even just someone was lying in semi seatbelt and I just put my hands very gently on someone's shoulders and, and didn't do anything. I literally just put my hands there and the warmth of my hands mm. allowed there to be some freedom. Right. Um, in the sort of purest sense of Alexander technique. Mm. Um, I felt really guilty mm. for ages. I was like, oh, we're not supposed to do it, it's really bad. Like, you can hurt someone, you can do all this sort of stuff. And actually then realised, mm, no, I'm not going to hurt anybody yeah. by asking them to give in to gravity and just reminding them with a really gentle cue that this is somewhere that you can allow gravity to take over. This mm-hmm. is something that, and, and all it is is observation. Mm. And and so it was been, it's, so my experience of it is kind of the opposite of yours. Yeah. Because I've always had the experience of it being done to me and being and it being part of my process as a performer and that then coming back to it as a coach and then going oh no I've been doing this for years just kind of going maybe think about these bits here maybe think about that maybe think about the directions Mm. so even just the sort of verbal cues I've been doing hilariously in a Colombian accent um (laughs) for (laughs) um for, for a decade or more, mm. which has been really funny. That's so interesting. Um, I, it's, I, I think, I mean, the first thing I always want to say is that words are so powerful. Um, and so deep, Andrea. Oh, the you. beginning of 2019. I mean, hey, into the deep end. You, you got to start. You gotta, <laughs> <laughs> you got to start deep. I mean, because then the only where else, I mean, that's not going to work. Because I was going to say the only other place to go is up, but I was, if you're starting deep, don't you want to go deeper? I mean, I think we should just brush gonna, over this. It's going to get rude any second. That, <laughs> so, um, but I was going to say that you know, words are very, very important. And when I was doing the Alexander Technique, I remember there were times when I used to get so frustrated um, and uh, nervous because I was like, oh, I hope I don't mess up the words. So at one point mm. we're on the ground and she, um, our, our teacher was having us say the directions um, and going through the directions and I was like, I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to say that it's this way and it's not this way or I'm not going to say it in this perfect way. And I was like, and then someone's <laughs> going to die and be paralyzed for life. <laughs> and, that was, and that was it because there's so, there is, so I, I do yeah. feel that kind of weight yeah. as well where it's like, well, if you don't say the right thing, then someone's not going to get it. Yeah. Um, and then they'll start to twist in a way, and I was like, and then I paralyze someone for life. But there is this kind of um, weight to it, mm. even in the words that you say with it, mm. right? Because there's such a difference in um, in thinking about releasing um, than saying um, release. It. Release. Mm-hmm. 
or even just or saying relax it relax yes which is totally different which is very different because I lost into oh do you mean relax and I was like no I don't if I said if I if I were to say relax um, that would imply something different let the neck of the let the back of the neck be free right not relax, re- relax the back of your neck yeah what does that mean yeah and sometimes it can be it can feel sort of pedantic mm. and it's like well why don't you just say let go it's yeah. like well yeah but let it go or let go or stop it or relax mm. they're not helpful cues yeah they're, they're also like it's so interesting because again it, uh, like, it was all about language for me when I hear something let go my instinctual ans- my instinctual response is let go of what <laughs> like what am I letting yeah, I'm not go doing anything. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. what am I doing and the whole point is that you're not doing is that you're mm, you're undoing you're undoing everything <laughs> um, and that and that was really hard for me but then the second thing was that I, I, I had taken ballet since I was like three to well officially until I was like 16 or something of that nature so my idea of posture was this very fixed kind of thing and I've heard yep. from a lot of dancers that you know um, and I teach dancers now too that posture for them is this kind of um, it, it, it is that really rigid rope that goes through your um, through your head all the way down through your spine and out like that that is it um, and then you hold it uh, and with and there's something tight about it yes yeah and there's something and then they don't breathe <laughs> Because it's tight. Because yeah. yeah, and then in certain and in certain Health, physical yeah. things, if you're going if you're going to do a pirouette in a certain way, or you need to add um, more speed to it, you, you you can't really be breathing as you do that. You'll nope. you'll, you'll tip over. Yeah. So there's mm-hmm. so there so and when we come into speech, when we come into voice, um, there is undoing in that. There mm. is a sense of no, I do mean release. I don't mean I don't mean relax. I don't mean upright, and I don't mean hold. I mean release, and that and that's what I want. And for a good like, well, I know I'm I'm still teaching it, and it's been a long time. Um, they, they like it takes a long time for your body to understand what you're what is being told, what it's being what is being asked. Yeah. Muscles have to be shown. Mm. They can't be told. I like that. That's a good line, isn't it? It seems like it should be in like one of those children's books, you know, when they're. I like, mean, it will be in a book, but <laughs> they haven't finished writing it yet, so I'm not even going to credit it. But, but when the book is out, you'll yes. know here it's from. Okay. But it's um, yeah, muscles have to be shown; they can't be told. So you can't just tell your body to do something. Mm-hmm. You have to show it, mm-hmm. and then your body goes, "Oh, okay." Yeah. <laughs> like it's kind of like yeah, sure, or. It physically can't do that because of mobility or because of range of motion, which is the same kind of the same thing as mobility in a sense. Yeah. And so, you know, some people can't lift their arm above their head, straight above their head, mm. because there are muscles of the torso that prohibit that from happening. Right. So then you kind of go, okay, well, you can't lift your arms above your head. Mm. So we need to release those muscles so that you're so that it's released, not relaxed, because you still have to lift your arm. Right. There is musculature in the torso that's going to facilitate that movement but right. we need to release the ones that are prohibiting that movement from being as free as we need it to be yeah and the mechanism by which you release it is different mm. but all of it for me posture and alignment comes back to vocal function mm. and the larynx is in the neck 
the neck, <laughs> touch your neck, everyone touch your neck. Um, and the head and neck back relationship, it's not just the relationship between the back and the head, mm -hmm. there is the neck in the middle, and that's where the larynx is. Mm -hmm. So it's not just, you know, oh, I've got my chest lifted, but then my head's poking forward, because then the neck position is compromised. Yeah. So then actually, where, how do you find that place that is going to allow the most freedom mm -hmm. and malleability and expressivity for the voice mm. without it without sort of jamming it into that place yeah because it doesn't deal well with yeah with force. duress yeah force um, and what's really interesting about this is that I get a lot of students who will go through a really wonderful progression with someone and then I normally get called in for like uh, performance because normally it's about accent stuff, you're like, do the accent. Mm -hmm. But then they start going, well, um, I don't know how to maintain my head and back alignment and still be this character. Or I don't know how to do this and still um, act this scene because I need to to physically be in a place where mm. this is happening. Um, and they get really, really confused about it and they get very anxious about it because they're like, oh, I'm gonna ruin my voice. It's, gonna, it's going to die. And I was like, yeah, no, there is a potential that you could do that. Um, but I was like, it's, it's about coming back though, isn't it? It's about knowing where the neutral is and being able to move away and come back and away and come back so that you're not always operating out of these extremities. Yeah, but also then making specific choices yes so rather than just kind of going oh i want it to be i don't know scoliotic not that you can necessarily affect your spine or hypotic <laughs> so if you've got a real sort of rounding of the the upper torso upper thoracic spine that then you that's going to affect your head neck back relationship mm -hmm. okay fine but to what degree are you doing that mm. are you doing as you said like it to the extreme or are you doing it, you know, if you're looking at it on a scale of one to ten, are you doing it like a four? Because mm. that's enough for us to understand that that's happening. Yeah. But it's not, it's not too much whereby we then worry that you're, you're going to hurt your voice. Yeah. I get the same, I mean, it's the same thing I, I tell people with accents. Because they go, oh, well, I want to be authentic and I want to be the blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, you're, I mean, you weren't born in America. You know, we weren't born in Brooklyn. So, mm. I mean, the chances of you actually sounding like somebody from Brooklyn are like, yeah. Pretty much, I was like, but my job is to get it so that we believe that you're from there. Mm. So we need a couple of features in the linguistic sound. It's the same thing um, when we're talking about physicality and voice, right? Like we mm -hmm. need particular qualities that signal to us, oh, this is where this person is in this fictional world or or whatever world that this is. But I don't necessarily need you a hundred percent there, right? Like I yeah. don't need your entire body to necessarily be there at the compromising of your voice. Oh, absolutely. If you, can, if you can do it, if you can do it and not compromise the voice, like, go go right ahead. But, like, nine times out of ten, there's some compromising that. Compromise, happens. absolutely. Yeah. And then it becomes about cumulative strain, mm. um, which is really very interesting because you can you can operate just under the level of injury mm. in the within the context of it being... Um, so if you have a, a line that is that is that is the line of no the point of no return, and if you go beyond that line, you're going to hurt. Th this is an injury that that you that you feel. Is that like that past just, the point of no return? Past the point of no return. So what <laughs> happens is, 
before that place, but in this place underneath that point of no return, right. between completely chilled out, relaxed, neutral, um, fine, mm -hmm. efficient mm -hmm. behaviour, and point of no return, there's quite a lot of grey space. Yeah. And what happens is, is if you habitually do something that is not efficient, right. then what happens is, is cumulatively, though, those uh, those um, the difficulties and those uh, inefficiencies build up in the body, mm -hmm. and so those and then the those inefficiencies are then compensated in other places, mm -hmm. and then because of that compensation, something else compensates, and something mm -hmm. else compensates, and it sort of has this um, follow-on effect. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily cause and effect but some things do cause things and there is an effect mm -hmm. but some but those journeys can happen and go in these different directions right. and then what happens is sometimes what happens is people just skirt underneath the point of no return mm -hmm. for a decade mm -hmm. and then getting out of a chair or to reach forward for a cup of tea it's they pull their back thing, yep. and it goes ping past the point of no return mm -hmm. it wasn't the leaning forward to get the cup of tea that did it it was the decades of misuse that perpetuated that moment it led up to that moment mm -hmm. all of those things led up to that moment and then what people say is oh I pulled my back and I did it this way and all I need to do is just get back to where I was before right and then the whole point of the Alexander technique and a lot of the stuff that we do with the work that in voice right. is to say the habits that you are perpetuating mm -hmm. are not necessarily lead are leading you in a direction uh, that that are that are not they're not going to get you to the place you want to get to because you're just going to sort of try and push through them. Right. And it's not, that way lies folly. Mm -hmm. And actually, if we undo some of those things and sort of set you back in a sort of more neutral place, that you're then automatically, by the fact that you live in your body and your body works in a certain way, you'll automatically end up going in the right sort of direction. Yeah. Which then makes everything else so much easier. Yeah. But it's bringing people back to that point. And what what's sort of you know historically quite true in voice teaching mm. and students engaging in voice especially actors is well we just lay on the floor for ages yeah why am I lying on the floor constantly and just breathing like I can breathe and I can lie on the floor what's the point and then you kind of think well actually it's not just about lying on the floor and breathing it's actually about alignment mm. and your body needs to have time to understand what that means mm -hmm. and it needs to be shown and it and you can't said it before mm -hmm. you can't cram the body but you can cram the mind so you can read all the books like i have that doesn't mean <laughs> that your body can do it yeah yeah and that because that's a very it's a different it's a different skill um and a lot of the frustration that um well a lot of the frustration that i had as a student was where i was like well i understand it why can't i do it mm, yeah <laughs> like i completely understand what's happening with my body but i i still can't do what you're telling mm -hmm. me to do what you're asking of me because that takes time that's a different it's a different skill it's a different mm. way of working with something um, and a lot of times what I tell my students if we're lying on the floor for an extended period of time um, is that this is the most challenging thing that you'll do and I was like what what do you mean and I was like yes you can do pirouettes and bat flips and all this other you're, you're amazing um, but this is challenging because I'm asking you not to do I'm asking you to observe yeah and if you're observing in a mindful way in a way that is not trying to change and not trying to do, but really listening to your body, then th then you'll learn so much more. Mm -hmm. And then everything else that we, we do will become so much easier because then you, you, you'll understand your body in a way that you didn't before. Mm -hmm. um, and that, I, I mean, it's, it's, it, that's a hard skill. 
I'm not black because it took me it took me a long time to be like, yeah. well, how do I how do I listen to my body and a not drift off into to all the things that I have to do later, <laughs> or and, and to all these other things that my my brain wants to do, um, and how do I just be present and like, and really observe, um, and not do but observe. Which was interesting because both of the examples that you said yeah. things I have to do later. Yeah, no. And so everything was everything both was doing. Of the examples was doing. Yeah. And then, but how did I not do? Yeah. And there's something sort of luxurious in the in the in being in the now, in yeah. being in the moment of just observing and letting go and releasing and being observant and being aware, mm. so that you can notice them. Yeah. And then you think, yeah, 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 but it's fine because I've got to. Do, but no, no, hold on. Come back. <laughs> come back. Come yeah. Back. And. What's interesting is, for me, when working with students, that they will have done all of this work in the very early stages of their training. Mm-hmm. And then if you revisit it later on, when they haven't really done it very often, mm-hmm. they suddenly go, oh, I get it. You this get makes it. so much more sense. Yep. This is really, oh, mm-hmm. this is what I've been trying to do for ages and it's not been working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you didn't keep going back to the fundamentals and keep you know, practicing those. You were like, oh, I've done that. It's fine. Mm. Finished. Yeah. Done. Move on. Well, yeah, kids, they treated it like a task. Um, and not to make things super, super complicated, but um, the reason that I find it really, really interesting is because I think if you looked um, at training and the way that people trained, um, whether it was actors or athletes or whatever, 50 years ago, there wasn't necessarily an idea of listening to your body and mm. getting back to that kind of neutral place there was an expect there was an expectation of doing of doing this of doing that of training this you need this you need this you need this um and it is relatively a newer idea to be like well let's not do let's listen first let's pay attention to what we have um and 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 then expand from that so that it's coming from you and not from something else. And I think that's an interesting way of doing voice. I was very aware that I just said yeah. doing. <laughs> doing <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah. but I, I think that I think that's um I, 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 I like that because then it is from you and it's not something that I'm pushing on top of you. But it's something that I'm allowing you to be aware of. And I think that it that can be very hard. I mean I know it happens and it's supposed to happen in um in different things of yoga or different things mm. like Pilates and things like that and it's a, it's a newer thing and I am seeing that students are coming a little bit more aware of of them um, of their space but it, it hasn't gotten to the point where it's redundant yet you know mm. what I mean so it, it is very very helpful and I am still teaching about um, consciousness and mindfulness and all of that are, and and things that relate to that um, but it, it's just an interesting. It's just interesting to see how the pedagogical shift has also changed with that as well. And I think that has to do a lot with posture and alignment. I'm, br- I'm wrapping it back mm. up in there. I think there are, t- there are two things with that that, that mm. struck me. That a friend of mine who is a very devoted yogi mm. has been for many years, also trained actor. She has always said that she would rather stand in Warrior Two for forty five minutes. Mm than spend two and a half minutes in Shavasana, in mm. corpse pose, lying on the floor. And she finds it the most uncomfortable, sort of 
difficult position to mm. be in because she's not she's like this I'm not doing any yoga mm. I'm just lying here oh my god what's the point and she gets always gets upset and annoyed by it and I was like that's always the bit that I find the best because that's where I find all the release mm. it's just like what I don't understand we used <laughs> to have really long conversations about it um, which you know fine fair enough but it's really it's the same sort of thing yeah the other thing was kind of coming back full circle to what you were saying about not wanting to say the wrong thing. Yes, okay. And not really trusting yourself. Yeah. And therefore kind of not really trusting the information that your body's giving you. Yeah. So when people are observing themselves, what happens often, especially in a sort of contemporary educational context, mm -hmm. is people want to give the right answer. Right. Because they're worried about an assessment. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, your body already knows the right answer. You're just not listening. Yeah. So if you can really listen to the answer that your body's giving you, then you'll pass the assessment because you'll know the answer because your body knows the answer. Mm. So listen. Mm. And then that sometimes is not the most helpful thing because then that makes people feel really anxious because they're like, I don't even know how to listen. Yeah. Okay, well, you need to teach yourself that because your body's shouting at you mm. and you are not listening. You're not paying attention to what it's shouting at you. Mm. And so those sorts of things are always quite challenging mm. because... What you're asking somebody to do is pay attention to the answer that they already know. Mm. But it's not a conscious answer, it's a subconscious answer. Mm -hmm. And so they then have to listen on a different level. They have to then engage with their own body on a different level. Mm -hmm. That is not just, oh yeah, 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 I got the answer, move on. Mm -hmm. And so people struggle with that because it's not Googleable. Yeah. Yeah. If that's even a word. It is now. I mean, We've made it a word right now. <laughs> it's on the podcast. Yeah. So, from the perspective of um, working on posture and alignment, it is the fundamental thing. Mm -hmm. Voice happens in your body. Yeah. There is no way around that. Mm -hmm. um, and if your body, if you're unaware of what your body is doing, then it makes it very difficult for you to be aware of what your voice is going to do and how reliable that can be. Mm. And if the voice is not reliable and the body's not reliable, then you just get anxious. Mm. So then what you do is you start to do mindful activities mm. and try to become aware of what's going on. Mm. So you try and do that sort of stuff, but I always feel like, not always, but often feel like the mindful thing is a little bit like putting a hat on a hat. Mm. Like you're kind of going, well, you're already wearing a hat. You've already got the answer. Mm -hmm. You just haven't listened. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, but I need to make myself be able to listen. Yeah, okay. But in making yourself be able to listen, you're doing something. Yeah. Just listen. Stop doing. Just listen. And so I understand where the impetus to want to be able to listen comes from. Mm -hmm. But you're still doing. Yeah. I. Yeah. For someone um, like me, who um, I've suffered with anxiety for my entire life, and putting myself in a vulnerable vulnerable position where somebody was like, don't do, just think, my brain automatically went, danger. <laughs> it automatically went, oh my gosh, there's so much danger here. Um, you can't just think about you. And so I would um, I would almost like tree. I would, you know, think about all these other things and I would start analyzing my teachers linguistically and start doing, I would literally do, do syntax trees and do, I was do, doing do. all this stuff. Yeah. And then finally somebody just came to me and they're, and they're like, what would happen if you didn't do that? And I was like, I don't know, but my body's telling me it's dangerous. I can't do it. And he's like, well, um, it, dangerous in the point where you would die? And putting it in that kind of position. And what was really interesting is that sometimes that what really helps is um, 
is giving yourself the permission to be selfish mm. and and listen to yourself and 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 that's it to not do to give yourself the luxury of not doing mm. and being and that's really hard that's really not, hard that's not that's not an easy thing it's it's one of the it's one of the things that i think when i do voice workshops or voice classes that i get the most pushback from mm. because we, we do i mean it's we live in um, a consumerism kind of a world mm. where people are paying me for a service and if they don't see results for the service, they feel like their money is not worth it. Yeah. And I think a voice is a lifelong thing. I'm still working on my voice sure. on a daily Absolutely, basis. Yeah. And it's a lifelong thing. And I think two-point accents is a lifelong thing as well. I, there, there are sounds that I will be working for, working for like, until I die or possibly after if I can. I don't know. But... Um, <laughs> from the grave uh but these are long <laughs> they're long they're long processes unlike a schwa she was always stressed <laughs> uh i think at my funeral i would just have like recordings of me doing different <laughs> different sounds in the kit list and thought the youtube video of jc wells doing all of the <laughs> yeah, but it's a lifelong process. It's a yeah. thing that takes a long period of time, and that is again, it's um, and it's about end gaining, which um, oh yeah, which huge, we can do, which is a big thing. Um, and it's about allowing yourself not to think in terms of achieve, achievements and losses, mm -hmm. but to think in terms of um, uh, to 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 think in terms of of the grander picture. And I don't even want to say the word progression because that still makes it linear. No, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's not linear. And I can't think of the right word for whatever that would be. Um, and I don't want to say improvement either because improvement. But I think you're right. The bigger picture. Yeah. It gives you a, a kind of more holistic understanding, and that and that sometimes it's a piece of a puzzle. It's not. It's not the. It's not the final piece in the puzzle. But mm -hmm. it, and it's but it's it's kind of it's something to kind of and sometimes it doesn't you don't know where to put it. Mm. So you might have a middle piece and you've got bits of the edge, but you yeah. don't know where this piece goes. But you know it's a piece. Yeah. So you sort of put it somewhere. It's like when you, you and know you're when like, you, well, I'll leave that until it makes sense. Exactly. And that's okay. It's like you know when you write an essay and you and the the first thing you do is you're just gathering all these quotes and you're like, I have no idea how I'm going to use that, but it sounds really cool. Oh yeah. <laughs> it definitely yeah. pertains to something in my life. Then you, you kind of stick it somewhere, and then finally, as you're writing, you're like, I need another word count. <gasps> need another word count. And it's like I just need more words. Boom. And then there's the quote. That's never a problem for me. But that um, but me either. As Usually I'm like, I need to, I need, I need to, to cite that somewhere. I, I, my, my thing is, like, you have too many words, Andrea. You should probably let somebody else have some knowledge appreciated in your writing. <laughs> and some other. Someone else had thoughts too. Let, some, let someone else talk about it. I saw uh, a video interview with um, Warren Buffett. Okay. The finance guy. Yes. And Bill Gates. Yep. And Bill Gates was talking about Warren Buffett's diary his schedule or as he oh, was saying okay. schedule yeah because that's because the difference that's between americans it. and english people that's the right way. um <laughs> and i once was doing a voiceover and the guy um, i was working with he, I, I said are you gonna say schedule or schedule and he was like darling i am resolutely scheduled <laughs> i've never forgotten that brilliant man same thing is like that's um, with you it is brilliant and bill gates was talking about warren buffett and said i'm telling you now in his pocket as he sits here at this table, he has his diary. Mm. 
Hmm. And in his diary, I'm telling you, there will be three entries a week. Hmm. And he did, he took it out and he gave it to the interviewer and the interviewer looked through and he was like, oh my God, you're like one of the world's leading financiers, mm. arguably the world's leaders, leading financier, who understands and who runs this extraordinary company, an investment company and financial company and has done for many years. And you don't fill every moment. He's like, I'm not doing that at all, mm. no. And what Bill Gates was saying was is that he learned a huge lesson from Warren Buffett when he was young, or younger, when he said to him, you don't need to fill every moment of your time oh. with meetings, with work, with this, that, the rest of it. Sometimes the most valuable thing that you can do is sit in a chair and look out of a window and think. Sometimes the most valuable thing that you can do is go and play a game of golf, mm. is go and read a book, Go to the theatre. It's just take a walk. Have a cup of coffee. Mm. Take a nap. Naps. Naps are the best. Mm. But whatever it is that you want to do, go do it. Mm. Like, that's okay. Mm. That is not any kind of um, reflection on how good you are or how worthy you are mm. as... As a, as a CEO, as a, as a leader of a company. Mm. Just bec- if you don't fill every single second of your life with something, that's okay. Mm. And not only is it okay, but to fill your life with everything, always, constantly, make it busy, 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 run from here to there, and juggling 100,000 things, that's, that's not a productive lifestyle. Mm. So actually what happens is, is you burn out from that because you're not able to actually spend time thinking about the thing you're about to do. Mm. So taking time to talk with friends and think about things and muse on certain subjects, but then when you actually come to do those things, they're richer for it. Mm. And it's the same with us. I mean, we've gone very, you know, philosophical on it, but that, but going back to a very sort of corporeal thing, a very felt bodily thing mm. of the posture and alignment, the head neck back relationship and primary control etc and end gaining it's not about filling your body and your mind and your time with doing mm. it's about the, in this moment it's about not doing it's about observing, it's about just being so then when you go back to doing because you will do done doing. Like, everybody does some doing at some point. Yeah. Right? When you go back to doing, it will be better. Mm. Yeah. We all need to, to rest. Maybe we should go to the pub or have a nap or something. Or both. Can we do both? We're supposed to meet Emily. Hi, Emily. You can meet her at the pub. <laughs> Let's do that. And then take Let's a nap. Oh, oh. Um, Andrea. Yes, yes. What, um, what have you realised... Doing this, our podcast number one of 2019. Oh my gosh, it is. Um, well, one, that it's our first podcast of 2019. Um, sure. And two, I was painfully aware of my head neck relationship <laughs> as we were doing it. And so I kept going, is it? Is it? No, I'm not. And then I was like, don't do, Andrea. <laughs> Just be. <laughs> and I was like, be in the moment, you're Andrea. Yourself be in the pod. It. It's terrible. Um, Leon, what did you, <laughs> what did you um, learn, realize, come to find? 
find today? Um, the, the thing I remember from years ago is like people sort of talking about things and then it being really clear that they don't do them. Mm. Um, or do them. Um, but it's sort of practicing what you preach. Mm. And there are, I think, I don't think I've ever been in a voice class where somebody hasn't tried to adjust somebody's posture. And sometimes they come and they try to adjust mine. You too, Tom. And <laughs> so there are only about three or four people on the, in the world mm. who I, who I sort of trust to, 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 <laughs> sounds awful, but that I, who I trust to kind of go, this is the adjustment you need to make. And they are so skilled in conveying that information mm. that I understand it and it's a tiny adjustment. Mm. And there are lots of people who will sort of try and force you to do something. Sometimes you have to be quite firm yeah. um, to kind of give a firm instruction so that people go, oh, I understand what that means. Because otherwise if you're a bit too vague, people don't know. Yeah. But it's been, it's, it, it's, it's interesting to like, do you, practice what you preach, kind of going off, jumping off what you were sort of saying. Like, yeah. do, do you do what you say you're doing or do you not? And do, do you have an expectation looking at somebody else that they should be a certain way? Or do you, un, or are you looking yeah. at the whole picture? And sometimes, and I was uh, doing a, an, a posture and alignment workshop this week, um, I've noticed myself taking a step back and looking at the whole picture mm. rather than just going oh your head and back relation and like moving their head and, mm. and adjusting what's going on or asking somebody to move it themselves mm. which there is still some of that but I'm looking at it in a completely different way in a much more holistic way mm. and then sometimes actually just having to listen yeah to their body oh. through my body meta listening <laughs> they're listening and then you're listening to them listening oh my gosh and sometimes what's been very interesting is that because is that I can which I've not really experienced before I can hear I can feel and sense and see and understand <laughs> what they are doing mm -hmm. despite the fact they have no idea that that's going on isn't that a gift that's so cool it's insane yeah. like I keep going oh my I think it's really important that I, I, I want to flag aesthetics. And that's a big thing. We're gonna, we're just gonna, wow. I'm, I'm gonna, I feel like that needs to be something else that we do at a different time, vocal aesthetics. And what people like and what they don't like. Oh, that's a whole series. More on that, and on. If you want to contact us about anything we said in the podcast, you can reach us on Twitter at can you hear pod or on instagram at can you hear me podcast or you can search for us on facebook and on youtube or email us at can you hear me at the back at gmail.com you can find me leon on twitter at leon trayman or me andrea at andrea fudge on twitter please support the podcast by subscribing as a patron on our patreon site the link is in the show notes. To keep the podcast advertisement-free, as well as get access to cool extra stuff, discounts, bonus episodes, as well as supporting ongoing voice research funding as well. Okay, okay. love you, bye!